Well, good morning, everyone. How good is it to sing out loud? That's been fantastic. How about I lead us in prayer as we've heard God's word? Dear Father in heaven, we thank you uh, that you are the God who speaks, that you have not left us in the dark about what you are doing and who we are and our purpose in life. We pray, Heavenly Father, now that as we have heard your word and as we reflect upon it, that you would help us to see Jesus more clearly and love him more dearly, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, let me ask you, what makes you, you? Uh, you might already have answers when you hear that question. You might never have thought about your answers to that question before. What makes you, you? Uh, is it the family that you grew up in or the friends who have helped shape your story? Is it what you studied or worked in or how you have used your time? Or is it your witty sense of humour that others find so endearing? Is who you are something you can even determine? Or is it outside of your control? And perhaps, just perhaps, is it a blend of all those things? The other question that comes to mind so often when we're talking about uh, our identity is what's our purpose? What am I going to do with the life that I'm living? Some people answer, I'm going to make a difference. Uh, others, I'm going to be better than other people. And others again will say, I just want to make it through the day. And these aren't just questions for individuals, groups and organisations. Ask them as well, who are we and what is our purpose? You know, I've read quite a few leadership books in my time. I really find it quite engaging uh, listening to what they've got to say. And you can be sure in those there's lots of talk uh, about how leaders and organisations, if they're going to succeed they need to know their purpose and ruthlessly stick with it. Now, of course, that's worldly wisdom, but it is still wise. It's wisdom gained from observing the world and how it works and how organisations work and how people work. But it hasn't come out of nowhere, the fact that we operate like this. In fact, we are the people, you and I, who understand better than any how to answer the big questions of life and test the answers that others give. And that's because we've been given the answers. God has revealed them to us and the answers he's given ought to make us sit up and notice. In fact, that's the reason why you and I ask these questions, in fact, or the reason why anyone asks them, because not only do we need to appreciate who we are as God sees us, it's God who made us this way with an identity and with a purpose that we need to come to understand. And so today we're going to be reflecting on just that. In fact, my hope is that you will hear God's answers to these questions every week when you are with us, whether it's here on Sunday or in a growth group or in one of our other activities we do together. But this week, on our Vision Sunday to launch our Vision Weeks, we want to be crystal clear about who we are 
and what our purpose is. And as we do that, it's also an opportunity to give thanks for what that has meant in the year that has passed, as at the same time we dream big about what it might mean for the future. Now, we read from Colossians 1, didn't we? And it's a great chapter of the Bible. Uh, well, we read uh, 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 not all of it, but uh, I can assure you the part that we didn't read is still a really great part of that chapter. We, uh, we didn't leave that out for any particular reason other than, well, well, what we're actually going to do is not try and cover everything in that chapter today, but there are two key verses which are going to help us, uh, not because they're the only place where this is said in the Bible, but because they capture what is said over and over again and is the, the dynamic message of the Bible. And so we're going to have a look at particular at chapter 1, verse 13, as well, chapter verse, uh, 1, verse 28. Have a look now at 1, verse 13 with me, because there it wonderfully shows us who we are. It reads, for he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves. What it's saying is, you and I are God's rescued people. You see, for all the tribes and nations in the world, when you boil it down to what matters most, there are only two, the dominion of darkness and the kingdom of God's son. The kingdom of darkness stands in opposition to God. It rejects his reign and it will fall under his crushing judgment. And, and when we talk of this, it's not just something that's out there or for others. Every single one of us has been counted among its citizens, at least for some time, willingly and enslaved, unable to free ourselves. Paul's wonderful pronouncement here is, well, for the Colossians who first read it and for each of us who have trusted Jesus, as we hear it today, we have been rescued from that dominion of darkness. We are no longer enslaved to rejecting God, no longer walking apart from him in all his goodness or neither living under the cloud of his great judgment. What an extraordinary message. We have been transferred from that kingdom to another kingdom, transformed from one to the other, to a far greater kingdom, to a blessed kingdom, the kingdom of God's Son whom he loves and through whom he has loved us. God is in the business the Bible is telling us of moving people from the postcode of hell to the postcode of heaven. Here's a little picture uh, I put together to try and help capture this. I didn't invent this, others have done this before me, but every single one of us falls into one of those two kingdoms. Every person you know, as well as those you don't, and if we could see into the hearts of each of us listening now, it wouldn't surprise me if there were those among us who are still in the dominion of darkness. Just as likewise there are many too who are citizens of the kingdom of the sun. That, at this instant of time, needn't be a bad thing, but I'll come back to that and tell you why in a moment. 
You see, the difference isn't whether you're listening in in church or online this morning. Like David said last week, being in a garage doesn't make you a car. (laughs) And this transformation isn't something that ultimately will be experienced by all, all people. The difference is made in your response to Jesus and whether or not you have faith in Jesus. That's what Paul said earlier to the Colossians in chapter 1, verse 4, as he talked about their faith, their faith in the good news about Jesus. That good news, as it says in verse 14, that we may be redeemed, freed from slavery, that we may have our sins forgiven. This is our privilege. This is our joy. This is why we talk so much about seeing lives transformed through Jesus. And why we're here today as Jesus Church, it's because of the enormity of what God has done, what he is doing, and because of the new identity that we now may have in common. Now, the Bible has another name for what we've become. Uh, I wonder if you know what it is. Uh, It speaks of it as like this. We've become disciples. Uh, You may have heard us refer to Matthew 28 from verse 18 before, uh, spoken as it is after Jesus' resurrection. It also pictures in that passage Jesus as a ruler, as the great ruler with authority, And so we read these words, then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptising them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Now, As the passage actually conveys in what's said around make disciples, a disciple is a learner. So now that we've become disciples of Jesus, since we've experienced the transformation Jesus brings, we listen to him and trust him and obey him. We worship him because he has all authority and is God and follow him and have life through him. It wouldn't make any sense to do otherwise, would it? Jesus isn't the ruler over some part or compartment of our lives. He's ruler over the whole of our lives. And just as we've become disciples, as the good news of the gospel came to us, so Jesus in Matthew's gospel points us to our place in God's great plans. You and I now are part of his great disciple-making plan. Which brings me back to what Paul said in Colossians 1. Now, in the second verse we're looking at in particular, verse 28. Talking again about Jesus, Paul says, He is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom, so that we may present everyone mature in Christ. 
You see, here is a desire of God for every person who is alive, who has ever lived. It is that they would be mature and complete in Christ. We've read the same things in the uh, weeks where we've been reading Hebrews in the last few weeks as well, haven't we? That life, true life, is about growing from being born again as a citizen of God's kingdom to being spiritual grown-ups. And the way that happens is as we imitate Paul's example, we are disciples who take our place in making and growing other disciples. Proclaiming Christ to each other, like we have been even here already this morning, admonishing or warning each other of the deceitfulness of sin, of the danger of becoming lazy and of not growing spiritually. But instead of becoming lazy or failing to grow, we teach one another with the wisdom of God, with the word of God, reminding each other and applying the same word to each other's lives as we share in them and with others as well. Let me just be clear here, whether someone is in the dominion of darkness or the kingdom of God's son, the surprising, the amazing, (laughs) the incredibly simple reality is each need the same thing. It's to hear the word of Christ. That's why I said a few moments ago, not only is it okay that some among us may not share our trust in Jesus yet, we we want you to, (laughs) if that's you... You shouldn't feel out of place if you were sitting here among us today or in one of our other congregations because, of course, this is the best place you can be where you will hear the word of Christ proclaimed and experience the love of Christians so that you might share our faith in him too. The same word about Jesus is able to transform a person from the first kingdom to the second. And once we're in the second, it continues to transform or grow us more and more like our great elder brother Jesus. That is our privilege. And that's what God's doing among us even now, what he's doing through us as we proclaim Christ to a world without God, willingly enslaved. And that's why we keep sharing. Uh, uh, if you've been here for a little while, you've probably seen me do this before and, you know, it's pretty much uh, a solid bet that I'll do it again, but this is our discipleship tool. Uh, we didn't invent this, but it's a way of bringing the realities of Colossians 1 verse 13 and verse 28 together and helping us know how to treat one another because this is what God invented. It's as simple as this. You and I, we know God's desire or goal for everyone. It's that they would be complete and mature in Christ. So when someone's in front of me, whoever's in front of me, whether it's my friend or my spouse, my workmate or someone I even barely know, I know what God wants for them. And I think 
Where are they up to and what are their next steps? What are their circumstances that will see them move to being mature in Jesus? Then I think, what's the word of God say and how can I bring that word to intersect with their lives, to serve them to move those next steps? And in that way, I'm fulfilling my purpose of being a disciple who's involved in growing other disciples. You know, I love the simplicity of this. Uh, I like simple things. I can remember simple things. What about you? Uh, This is who I am and how to fulfil my purpose. And it works, as far as I can tell, in every situation. Uh, Let me share a few with you. You see if you can find a situation where this doesn't apply for my friend who's not a Christian. Their next steps are hearing the good news of the gospel again and experiencing the love of Christians, perhaps from me, perhaps from us as a church, uh, that's the way that they'll move towards being mature in Christ, first taking the step of being transformed, but then growing in him. And then there's my friend who is a Christian, one of you here today. Uh, You've moved further steps, you've experience the transformation the great rescue that Jesus brings that radical change but still you and I and each of us we need to keep on growing so as I want to serve you I look at your circumstances I bring the word of God to intersect with it and I think well what's the next step in how I can serve you to grow mature in Jesus what about my own discipleship I can still use the same tool. Uh, How good is that? (laughs) Just imagine in this case, though, that instead of, you know, me looking at you, there's a mirror between us. And so when I look now, I see reflected in the mirror, I see me. And so I can use the same tool and this time I'm looking at myself and my circumstances and I know the word of God and I can bring it to intersect to decide what are the next steps that I should be leading myself to be mature in Jesus. So stop for a moment and think. Who do you have in your life that you have the opportunity to serve in this way? What about the people you live with, if you live with others? Uh, What about the people you work with or study with? What about the people you relax with? We have these people in our lives, some of them we have a Uh, a a very deep relationship with others are are further from the center we might have a shallower relationship with but it doesn't matter where someone is anywhere on that spectrum you and I have an opportunity to love and serve them take next steps towards maturity in Jesus what a joy And of course today we're talking about how we can do that together as a church, as you and I are fellow members of the kingdom of God's Son. And maybe maybe you can look back and see how under God and through his power you've taken next steps already as you sit here and listen today. 
But we can use the same discipleship tool we use for one person for groups of people too. Wherever they might be along the pathway from the dominion of darkness to the maturity in the kingdom of God's son. And here's some of the ways that we've thought about this and put it into practice as a church. Uh, A few years ago, uh, 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 there were a number among us who realised there's a whole bunch of people, our neighbours, who would benefit from having inexpensive fresh food. An Anglicare fresh food pantry in our church was born, meeting an immediate need in the hope that we might connect with people we'd otherwise not get to meet and lovingly serve them and, God willing, take next steps towards them hearing the gospel of God as they experience the love of his people. Here's another story, a great story that God's been writing uh, uh, slowly and piece by piece over the years among us. Fifteen years ago, there were no young adults here at our church. Uh, But slowly and prayerfully and energetically, uh, we've raised children and students up to be young adult disciples. We're even going to hear from one later this morning. And and over time, they've invited others to join them in hearing about Jesus. And along the way as well, in parallel, others have joined us, whether from other churches or people who were at no church at all. So that today, we have over 30 young adults among us. And this is such a crucial time of life. Those of you who have passed through it, can you think back to how foundational it was? And it can establish guys and girls for a lifetime of growing in Jesus. And so here's the hope we have. Josh and Mackenzie have done a great job of leading the young adults. Josh has been the coordinator. Mackenzie's been working with him. But with Josh finishing study this year, he's going to take up a full-time job in the workforce next year. Uh, Josh was able to spend 20 hours a week serving students and young adults. We want to see if we can't get someone with extra experience and extra training to give more time to leading the young adults. And that's not a criticism in any way of, uh, of Josh and what he's done. This is a natural progression. He's encouraged us to do this as well because it's the next step for loving and growing uh, the young adults at this crucial age of life. But the thing is, it could be a difficult step as well. Uh, as it's hard to find a part-time, a half-time person who has greater training and greater experience because usually they're looking for a full-time role. But will you partner with us in praying that God would make this possible? I'm not sure which way he's going to do that, which way he's going to answer that prayer. It might be that someone local and part-time becomes available. Or another way he might answer it is that we could grow our giving further for it to become a full-time role. I'm not sure how he answer, but will you turn to God with me and with our leaders that under him we might see this happen in his way? At the end of the day, working to that end will grow disciples of the young adult age 
for a lifetime of growing in Jesus. We have other uh, plans we'd love to share in, uh, we'd love you to share in with us, uh, other next steps for us to take as we serve others in taking next steps. We long to see lives transformed through Jesus as we take up our responsibilities and God makes disciples and grows disciples among and through us. It's the wonderful way that he's put his plan together and that we are involved And so here's another thing that we'd love to partner together to see under God. Will you pray that we'd move the number of people we're connecting with and telling the good news about Jesus from the number we're doing now uh, in this year to doubling that number in the years ahead? I don't actually expect that it'll take only a year to do. It will probably take a few years. But with so many people living in the dominion of darkness and needing the same rescue that you and I have received, this isn't the end goal, the end game in itself. Because there will still be more people who need to hear the good news about Jesus. But this should be a no-brainer for us to pray and serve and give and grow toward. Here's one uh, some of us have talked about uh, over a number of years. And if we're connecting with more people, we'll need it. Uh, Before COVID, we were bumping up against the sort of numbers here at 945 Church that the building feels full. We're not quite there again yet today as we come out of restrictions. But wouldn't it be great to be able to start a new congregation meeting here in the auditorium at some other time on a Sunday and creating the space where we can have more people churching with us and hearing the word of God proclaimed and experiencing the love of other Christian people. Again, it doesn't just fall from the sky. There are pinch points with trying to do something like this. The first one, one that comes up whenever we try to do anything as a church to honour God is, do we have the willingness to do something different from what might be comfortable or just what suits me? And along with that, for this one, we've identified that the the key thing we have to do is raise up more kids' church leaders so that we can have kids' church in both these congregations. And the other thing on top of that is that we need to raise up more musicians to serve those congregations. But for the sake of making and growing disciples, wouldn't it be worth it? Could you get excited about that? I hear crickets again, Dave. Could you get excited about that? That is awesome. At another time, we could talk about the people we should be sending away to lead in other churches. We've had the privilege to do that before. What if we ask and pray God to do that again and again from among us? We need to make more and equally large changes uh, when it comes to our buildings and facilities here. 30 years ago, this building was built and it made a huge change to mission and ministry in our church. We need to be the people who take responsibility for making changes and upgrading to serve the next 30 years. Now, I could 
talk about these things uh, till the cows come home, but these are just some of the hopes and plans that we as leaders have for the future, for for our church, uh, in God's great plan of making and growing disciples. Uh, Do you have ideas that you would share with us uh, that we should be thinking about, that we should be considering as we do these things as a church? And even if uh, I or you or any of us weren't here in five or ten or 25 years' time, that doesn't matter. What really matters is what legacy are we going to leave as disciples, as a church? Will it be the fruit of many more disciples, people rescued from the dominion of darkness and brought into the kingdom of God's Son? I pray it will be. I pray that at this time of looking back and looking forward to the future, God will challenge our hearts to see truly and see clearly that you and I were given life above all else to be Jesus' disciples and to take our part in growing other disciples. Let's pray in response to that. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have met us again today with the good news that brings great joy that Jesus is Lord of a new kingdom, of your kingdom, and that Jesus, its ruler, loves and serves us. We pray, Heavenly Father, that you would So transform our hearts. Uh, For those of us who don't yet know you, that we may be joined by faith to those who already do. And for all of us who do, Heavenly Father, we pray us you would grow us up from being spiritual children to spiritual grown-ups, making us in the image of your son, our great elder brother Jesus, and using us, we pray, to lovingly serve each other and many, many others grow in the same way for your glory. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.